Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to an informed live radio on 1150 AM KKNW, streaming out there to the greater Puget Sound region and live streaming to chd.tv. Um, so hopefully around the world, somebody's picking this up and listening to what we have to say. Hey, Javier. Hello, Bernadette. So good to have you with me today. Um, good to be back. We got stormy weather here in East Tennessee. We just had some downpour. Uh, it was lovely, though, because we now have our rainwater system in place. And so it was filling up the tank. Nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, always a sunny spot, always a bright spot to that. Exactly. What's weather like where you are today? Uh, overcast, 78 and dry. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Plates there. Yeah. Very good. Um, Alrighty. Well, you know, we've got, uh, we don't have a guest today. It's going to be you and I, Javier, uh, you know, talking about what's going on and, um, I'm going to start off with a question. So my question to you, and this was the theme, anybody who saw the promos go out about the show, what do monkeypox and rulemaking have in common? And for those people who, you know, don't tend to follow what our government is doing, um, I'll explain that rulemaking, at least the way I understand it. So, you know, our legislature writes laws. And they're usually pretty broad with sometimes very specific, but oftentimes not too specific so that they're more flexible. And then government entities, Department of Health, oversight agencies, boards of health, all those people within this law, they're often delegated rulemaking authority so that based on the law the legislature writes, they can write rules to implement that law, to make it practical. So people have guidelines and they understand how to work within the law and carry out the law. So that's rulemaking. Right. Okay. So what do monkeypox and rulemaking (laughs) have in common? Any ideas? Oh, it's all arbitrary. (laughs) Arbitrary. Okay. That's an interesting answer. Just because, I mean, monkeypox is, uh, it is a contagious disease, but it's not deadly. That's the one thing that that, that floors me. Uh, it's like, you know, measles. It depends if you're immunocompromised, anything is going to get you. Yeah. So the idea that somehow declaring, I know that the WHO declared monkeypox an international disease of concern. That's far from uh, a pandemic. That's far from a deadly plague. And one of the things you have to remember is that the biology of pox or, uh, uh, vaccinias uh, and, and that particular um, uh, family of, of viruses is that it's transmitted through uh, skin-to-skin contact. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the idea that somehow this is going to spread like an airborne disease, like another virus we know, <laughs> uh, is, is, yeah, you know, again, this this is should be way 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 down on the bottom priority lists. Oh right, somebody posted. Um, I might have been Jeffrey Jackson or Jeremy Hammond. I can't remember which, but um, on somewhere on Twitter, I think one out of thirty children today 
now has a diagnosis of autism. Yep. One in 30. And he listed a couple other things that are like one in a hundred, one in whatever major health issues plaguing America today. And there are 6,000 cases of monkeypox yep. in specific individuals who could avoid getting it if they avoid certain behaviors. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, but nobody's declaring autism, neurological disorders, a, and, and talk about a threat, a global threat, the neurological disorders because of the environmental and iatrogenic toxins harming our children today. Um, yeah. So, so I see what you mean is just it seems like arbitrary that rulemaking, government activities, monkeypox, it's like, why are you getting all hot and bothered over this when all of this seems more important? Um, right. Not quite where I was going with that. Where <laughs> I was going right now is a very clever example or a clear example to me of corporatocracy in action. Ah. And by that, I mean, we have got government and private interests, that's corporatocracy, working together behind the scenes, trying to avoid citizen input, avoid the legislature, avoid our right to make see everything clearly and make decisions they're doing everything behind the scenes and then just sort of putting it out there um it's it's sneaky it is absolutely yeah. sneaky and so let's I, I want us to start with um with the rulemaking and that began on let me go to let me see what's that thing tab look like every I wish I like it when people put thingies on their tabs so I can see what they look like okay here we go this began the rulemaking began in Washington state now I know that this you know this show broadcast in Washington state fantastic this is so important for everybody of Washington state to know what we're talking about but if you live in another state in the U.S. heads up because it's off it's coming Right. They they always try things out in certain states, especially right now, the more progressive states try stuff. Um, and there's probably people who are against conservative type things, and they probably say the same thing about us. But still, um, you know, they're going to try this. So on June 30th, the king of Washington state, um, Governor Inslee, who is still has the state under emergency orders, issued a directive can you imagine how powerful you must feel to be able to issue a directive? Not a I mean, it really takes probably a pretty strong man of, of good moral and ethical standards to avoid gloating oh, no, and misusing his power. It just takes a weak legislature. That's all. A weak legislature to, to allow him to do this. But I mean, Absolutely. you know, I mean, I can imagine a very humble, intelligent person not abusing it. However, that is not our Jay Inslee. <laughs> so he waxes poetic about COVID and about the COVID vaccine saving the world. OK. And but then he goes on to state to address this continuing threat and ensure the health of our workforce. I am directing a permanent this is outside emergency orders, permanent COVID-19 vaccination condition of employment requirement for state 
executive and small cabinet agencies as follows. Now, let's pause there. Executive and small cabinet agencies. I don't, I can't open another tab without crashing my computer. I've got so many tabs open here. But, <laughs> you know, there, there are certain agencies, a lot of agencies that the governor is considered to be the boss and the employee of, right? And so he can set, he is authorized to set conditions of employment. Um, whether or not he can specifically do this is still up in the air, but technically he is, he acts as their employer. So new employees, as a condition of employment, all new employees of state agencies must be vaccinated against COVID-19 with the most up-to-date vaccination, including any additional doses or boosters as recommended by the CDC. So I believe this begins immediately for new hires. Correct. Right? Current exempt employees and we are asking them exactly what's your definition of an exempt employee. All current exempt employees must be fully vaccinated. Current exempt employees will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 beginning July 1st, 2023. And we don't believe that means somebody who's filed a medical or religious exemption. We're pretty sure using the word exempt in this context is those not usually subject to directives by the governor right. with his... COVID rules. It's like an essential business. Yeah. So I'm, um, yeah, we'll, we'll find out what that means. We've asked them to, to specifically define that for us. So, um, and then step three, he is asked the office of financial management, the OFM to, they shall take steps. So it's an order from the governor. A, the steps necessary to continue the requirement for non-represented, so non-union employees, to be fully vaccinated. So do what you have to do to make sure that all of these people under the emergency order that I said had to be vaccinated, once it's over, they have to continue to be vaccinated. Which, again, I thought that last time required a legislative law. Um, yeah, so exactly. And we're, we're getting there. Very good. Very good. So um, B, necessary to require non-represented employees to be vaccinated with the most up-to-date vaccination. Um, and then C, to engage with labor organizations regarding the proposal to require represented employees to continue the requirement to be fully vaccinated. And then to engage in, in collective bargaining to make sure that it's like in the contract. So this is what he ordered them to do. And then it says subject to the ADA, you know, supposedly you'll get medical exemptions and supposedly you'll get religious exemptions. But we saw how that worked over the past two and a half years. Um, it doesn't. And they're they're breaking every law in the book about religious exemptions. Um, and then it gets really interesting. So then he directs the OFM to provide guidance to state agencies on implementing this directive. So they are just, you guys tell everybody else how to do it. And then guidance to other agencies. Inslee says, I recognize the difficulties of implementing this directive to maintain the health and reduce the long-term impacts of COVID-19 on our state workforce. I shall call upon our higher education institutions boards and commissions and other separately elected officials to consider similar requirements with their agencies and jurisdictions. So there we go. We have got, oops, I got to come back over to where you are. We've got the governor telling every government agency, board, whatever, follow my footsteps, 
require these shots permanently. Exactly. And they're avoiding the legislature. So that brings me to, do I have that tab up there? Do, do, oh, let's see. Is it one more that I, um, I will just read it to you. So we reached out, we meaning Informed Choice Washington, we reached out to some excellent attorneys who've just been standing tall for people during nice. this COVID crisis. And they are fantastic. So we all got together. They took the lead because they're the legal experts and they drafted with our assistance. And, and right now I've got to give a, a shout out to Lisa Templeton, our executive secretary and legal resource liaison. Brilliant woman who's behind the scenes. I think to say that she spent 10 hours on this, I mean, hard at work, line editing, adding, improving um, 10 hours at least. And I thank you, Lisa, for your expertise, your hard work, your editing skills. I, she's just fantastic. Um, so if you go to Informed Choice Washington's website right now, the, the most recent post, it's, it's bright yellow with a mega phone in it. Yeah. And it says uh, stop state mandates. Um, at the bottom, you will find the, um, the letter that was drafted and, and sent out. And it says, now it's too small for me to read. How do I get it bigger? Um, shoot. Well, I will, I will put up, pull up our other copy of it. I've got, oh, I've got it right here. Do, okay. You go ahead and read, please. Um, the, the first couple of points, cause they're sure. really important. So first, uh, this is uh, this is uh, bringing to attention. Uh, uh, this is brought to the attention of David Schumacher, Emily Beck, and the author management team. And oh, so you're you're starting with this is good. You're starting with the one page oh, letter sorry. that Informed Choice Washington Board sent, and that's good too. So go ahead and read that. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, so basically, we're writing to ask you to challenge Governor Inslee's Directive 22-13. To our knowledge, no Washington state government agency has ever attempted to use its rulemaking authority to mandate a medical intervention on any group of individuals without explicit, explicit authorization from the state legislature. No governor has ever used a directive to order agencies to make the attempt. Why now? It could not be because the intervention, in this case, multiple and never-ending booster injections of a genetic spike protein containing or generating product, is safe, effective, or necessary for, for the preservation of public health, as the data and studies clearly show. In fact, the science shows the intervention has the potential to decrease both individual and public safety through mechanisms such as ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement, original antigenic sin, aka imprinting, immune tolerance, as well as myocarditis, pericarditis, blood clots, autoimmune disease, and a host of other injuries with both the CDC and FDA listed as adverse of events of special interest prior to the release of the first shot, and which are now showing as massive red flags in the VAERS data. Governor Inslee's Directive 22-13 and his pressure upon OFM and higher education institutions, boards and commissions, which they should be thoroughly sued for, and other separately elected officials to consider similar requirements within their agencies and jurisdictions. Sorry for the uh, editorial there. To impose more unethical mandates achieves, one, a violation of human rights to bodily autonomy and medical choice, two, coercion and undue influence by the government, three, citizens being used as test subjects for Pfizer, Moderna, and other biopharma companies, which are shielded from liability, yet are profiting in the billions. Yeah, A.G. Farben, anyone? And four, installation of adult tracking systems. Please stand up for your civil servants 
use serve and withdraw WSR 22-14-104 without checks and balances in government, without agency heads willing to say no to unethical directives, our republic and freedom banish. Sincerely, the ICWA board, Bernadette Pager, Pager Yale Cantor, Heidi Hartnell, and Angela Dye. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, Beautiful. thank you. And then, um, you know, it's, it's always validating, Javier, when, you know, I, I've had a lot of experience doing things like this, but, you know, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a doctor, I'm not all of those things. Um, and all of us have backgrounds in life that didn't necessarily um, really fit with what we're doing, but right. never underestimate an angry mother, <laughs> uh, a mother who wants to protect her children and the children, everybody's children. Um, you know, that maternal, that maternal drive, and I don't want to discount paternal drive, but this world needs that loving, nurturing, fierce protection of that maternal nature. And moms have been the primary drivers of medical reform, vaccine yes. safety reform, yes. um, you know, so, so there we go. Um, and so then if you could maybe read the, the first page of the letter that is um, down below that, if you could open that up and see it, I can't see it ah, easily see on mine. Opposition. The opposition letter. There we go. Yeah. This is from Silent Majority Foundation. Is that the one that you're referring to? It is. They filed it for us. So that they are one of those. Go ahead and like you can Beautiful. read all of our wonderful partners there. So Brandy Chin, Rules and Legislative Relations Manager. This was the letter that was sent to. And this is Ms. Brady Chin and OFM rulemaking staff. We collectively write to oppose proposed rules of that office of financial, of the Office of Financial Management, intends to implement through WSR 22-14-104. Our organization, Silent Majority Foundation, Pacific Justice Institute, and Informed Choice Washington represent the tens of thousands of Washingtonians who are members or supporters of our advocacy work. We are joined by employment attorney Joy Lockerbie of Lockerbie Law, PLLC. Our collective opposition to WSR 2214-104 is grounded in two fundamental areas. It is improper for OFM to implement a COVID-19 vaccine requirement through the rulemaking process as a subject matter of the proposed rules must be enacted under statute through the legislature. OFM lacks legal authority to implement such a rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if, if people want to read the rest of that, it's like... With the signature page, it's eight pages, I think. It is. Um, yes. Go to our website, informedchoicewa.org, and it's um, the the first post showing up that you'll see there um, at the bottom of the page. Yeah. Um, and sorry that it's in images. I'm still trying to find a, a good way to have documents uploaded safely, easy to view. Exactly. You know, um, so that's what we have for now. And we're going to be doing a press uh, release at the end of this weekend and and putting it out there now. This is so important because they are attempting to set a precedent. They're attempting to put this stranglehold on employment to totally abuse people's medical freedom behind the scenes, bypassing the legislature. Correct. Yep. It's atrocious. It cannot happen. Um, and we would be saying this even if it wasn't the most dangerous, least effective shot ever thrust upon the public. Right. Because on principle, 
We cannot have this. Um, the government, you know, where, what is that famous quote where the government is only supposed to, um, you know, only when somebody's freedom is putting somebody else, somebody else's freedom in danger, can the government step in and try to have protection. Right. And then it's supposed to be the least restrictive way. And sure. for the shortest amount of time, yep. you know, COVID is now endemic. And it's, just, and I would say it's more endemic for those who are vaccinated than those who are not, because the people, right, it's, it's got negative efficacy. All the studies are showing that all around the world. Yes. The more shots you have, the more susceptible you are. And it seems like people are going to end up getting COVID once a month or something. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I, I'm I really know. concerned, but we're not focusing on COVID today. We're fo focusing on monkeypox because we've got kind of same game, different name, yep. beginning again, okay? And so we all need to take action as what they're doing legislatively with COVID because everything else is going to follow in the heels of this. Um, all right. So I'm trying to figure out where do we want to go next? I've got so many tabs to go. I think, let's see, do I want to start with this one? Okay. I yeah, I think we're gonna go right to the monkeypox. I think what I'm gonna do is go to we're gonna go to the HHS declared yesterday. Well, did you know yesterday they declared monkeypox in the United States? Oh yes. State of emergency. The state of emergency on six thousand cases that is not spreading exponentially. Yeah, it doesn't make me any sense. I have these all lined up nicely, and yet it's not. There we go. Okay. So, oh, this was a stat article that was interesting. U.S. declares monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency. And I recognize the name Helen Branswell. I don't believe she is um, on our side of vaccine no. issues historically. Um. And it's interesting because the pitch, well, you will see everywhere in mainstream media that they're, you'll see, they're, they're criticizing the government by not, for not taking action sooner. Oh my goodness. So the Biden administration, according to um, stat here, declared the ongoing monkeypox outbreak a public health emergency on Thursday, a move that comes amid growing case counts and a groundswell of criticism over the way the administration has handled the outbreak. The declaration comes as news stories chronicle a series of missteps in the administration's response to the outbreak from its failure to rapidly divert vaccines stockpiled as a hedge against bioterrorism to combat spread of monkeypox to its slow decision-making, which led to missed opportunities to vaccinate more quickly. I mean, it just goes on and on. Uh, yeah. One of the points I wanted to t show you here, Javier, is where she states the name of this vaccine is i think Ginios, j-y-n-n-e-o-s yep the federal government financed development of Ginios and owns the lion's share of the available doses so you know this is a government shot right and then um and again, is there any link to any studies showing the safety, how it was tested? Um, 
we're gonna go yet yeah, we've got we've got that next coming up here okay so what are what are your do you know when monkeypox was licensed what what are your i've been going down the rabbit hole but i don't know that you have yet no and i think that uh, the last time monkeypox was ever ever mentioned was in 2015 and then there was an attempt to make a vaccine in 2015 if i remember correctly Let's see here. This do do and phone on teapot. I got too many. Oh, here we go. Package insert. This is what we're looking for. Uh, you know, I was thinking one of these days we'll have a show, Javier, where we show people how to find these sort of things so they understand, ah. you know, main places to go. Mm-hmm. So here is the package insert. Highlights of prescribing information. This is for Ginios. It's licensed for smallpox and monkeypox. Um, licensed in 2019. Oh, imagine yeah. that. Yeah, so we're going to look at a couple of things here, and then and then I've got some things to show you. Um, preparation, forms and strengths. It says severe allergic warning, um, and it's Good Lord. persons who experienced a severe allergic reaction following a previous dose of Genios or following exposure to any component of Genios may be at increased risk for severe allergic reaction. It's really annoying that they do not say this is grown in chicken eggs because... Um, if you look at like drugs.com, they alert you not it's contraindicated for anybody who's allergic to eggs, but they don't tell you on the insert. I don't understand why. That's amazing. Um, so we've got clinical trial experience, adverse reactions. So we're going to start actually with the adverse reactions here. Um, and they did a few and you'll be glad to see they did some, uh, placebo controlled studies. Oh, and with real placebos. It, it, I believe it was. It says saline. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. three thousand people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that? Tell me, as a researcher, your thoughts on that number. If you're looking for, I mean, vaccines usually in the tens, tens of thousands. So that's a small number. Three thousand got the the shot, and a thousand two um, got the placebo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and they had several studies here, and we can look at the adverse reactions. Um, I encourage people to look at the vaccine insert, and, and you know, um, so we don't spend too much time. There was, you know, the usual swelling, a little nausea, that kind of stuff, some headache, muscle pain that happened. You know, more um, in the vaccine group than in the saline group. That's generally expected. It's the severe adverse reactions that are that are generally concerned. And they studied people who were HIV infected and who had atopic dermatitis. And I find that really interesting. Now they do tend to test in these communities, a lot of products now because those individuals might not respond because of um, their condition or they might have a severe reaction, but it is interesting in 2019 for monkeypox that they did study two infections that tend to plague the the groups of individuals who now um, are actually the ones catching monkeypox. Right. So um, so we're going to go down here, this one, the cardiac adverse events of special interest. Cardiac events of special interest were reported to occur in 1.3% of the Genios recipients. 
and 0.2% of the placebo recipients. So as a researcher, what do you think about 1% of um, so it was 95 out of 7,000 for this particular Wait, when they wait. they put all of the trial people together, I believe, in, is what they're looking. But that at. doesn't add up. They had three thousand and three. That was a different. That was one of the studies that. Um, I see. The numbers so, of genius and placebo recipients, respectively, with troponin one data were baseline level. Um, uh, Am I looking at the numbers or I'm looking at the number of, it's just the number of people. Yeah, they did several studies and I, um, I apologize that I'm not better versed on the various studies and how the numbers are adding up here. Right. But I think what's really important is out of 7,000 people, 1.3% developed cardiac adverse event of special interest. And again, that's probably underreported in this particular group. And when you but, start scaling up, you're going to see a bigger increase. Don't isn't isn't that an, a, a huge red flag? Yes. It doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a no, that's a red flag. That's unacceptably high. Any vaccine that has that high a uh, cardiac event mm -hmm. is, and again, you have, you have a population that's you know still a large portion of them are the smallpox vaccine is already still in effect. So provides. Oh, so so I'm glad you brought that up because they they separated those who were smallpox vaccine naive. They had never had a smallpox vaccine in their life, right. and the results of those who had had smallpox vaccine. In those who had had a smallpox vaccine sometime earlier in life, their cardiac events of special interest were 2.1 percent. See, that's already telling you that there is a. Uh, you know, an ADE or potentially another form of immune reaction that will start targeting the heart. I mean, yeah. and the other concern that I have is why would a monkeypox vaccine have such an effect on cardiac tissue when, you know, from what I've seen or I remember reading about uh, uh, vaccinia viruses, mm -hmm. cardiac events are not the main uh, target uh, for, for this family of viruses. Yeah. So there's an awful lot here. And, you know, if you want to look through this in your all your spare oh, yeah. time, Javier, and, and and then report more on the nuances. I mean, somebody needs to do a FOIA to get all the data. I did download a whole lot of stuff Can that is available at the FDA. Hmm? Go back up one page. Yeah. What do you need? What are you looking for? Pediatric use. Not know whether Genios is excreted in human milk? No. No, so they don't know it. Mm -hmm. That right there, the Genios, this is supposed to be a standard uh, uh, virus, uh, attenuated virus or dead virus, if I'm not mistaken. It says they're calling it a live non-replicating. Do you, what do you know about what live non-replicating vaccines? That it's um, an oxymoron? <laughs> it does seem that's exactly what I was thinking too. Now let's let's look at the MMR. Yeah. Measles, mumps, rubella. That's a live vaccine. Is it considered non-replicating or attenuated? It's supposed to be non-replicating, but it can replicate. I mean, there's and, been cases where where people or chats. Yeah, you will that, get. Go ahead. Well, yeah, that it will sort of give you that infection. Um, a infectious form of that infection. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
let's see then i wanted to show you somewhere down here so nothing you know you know they're going to be pushing it on these people which is why it's such a huge concern for me they're, they and i will well, i'll get there in a minute so where's the mechanon they didn't test for anything effectiveness here we go Vaccine effectiveness against smallpox was inferred by comparing immunogenicity of genios to a licensed smallpox vaccine based on plaque reduction neutralization test using something. Anyway, vaccine effectiveness against monkeypox was inferred from the immunogenicity of genios in a clinical study and from efficacy data from animal challenge studies. So in other words, we have no idea if it actually works for monkeypox. So when you hear, when you hear the government say, put out all this information that the states are pushing out, saying it's eighty-five percent effective, no, that you can give it up to two weeks post-exposure and it will help you. Where are they getting this from? It's pure I mean, guesswork. It's not the smallpox vaccine never claims that either. Yeah. They're making all sorts of claims that they have no, no basis, basis on. They should, if they're going to say that and say, well, it's our guess, we think maybe, you know, but you know, the messaging um, never gets pushed out with any qualifiers. <laughs> it's just, no. it's just pushed out there. Yeah. So that's very concerning. So that, so, so we looked at the package insert, we see these cardiac issues. There's some other minor issues, never, tested for effectiveness. We don't know it works. We, we don't know if it wanes. We don't know a lot um, about it. Okay. So then I'm going to show you. Um, okay. So then the next thing I'm going to show you is, you know, with, um, With all uh, licensed vaccines, um, they're supposed to give you a CDC-prepared, um, what's called a VIS, Vaccine mm -hmm. Information Sheet. So that's what I'm going to show you next. There we go. So this is the information, um, and it's put out there. So why get vaccinated and explains um, about smallpox, monkeypox. It's it's a combined one. Um it tells you about a little bit about the vaccine, um, how it's booster dosed, um, you know, how it's boosted. Talk to your healthcare practitioner about certain things. It doesn't list egg allergy on here at all, although it does say if you have been recommended to receive this, and you. Um, Wait, if you have been recommended to receive Genios due to an exposure to monkeypox virus, you should be vaccinated regardless of concurrent illness, pregnancy, breastfeeding, or weakened immune system. Now let's look at this again. People with minor illnesses such as a cold may be vaccinated. People who are moderately or severely ill should usually wait until they recover before getting a routine pre-exposure dose of Genios. If you have been recommended to receive Genios due to an exposure to monkeypox virus, you should be vaccinated regardless of concurrent illness, pregnancy, breastfeeding, or weakened immune system. Holy cow. I hadn't, I had actually had, it hadn't jumped out at me until just now. That is so appalling. 
this is to me when reading that I'm thinking, are these people trying to produce an ad an, uh, autoimmune, uh, uh, disease antibody dependent enhancement? I, in, you in know, I, and, and then, and pregnancy and breastfeeding, are you kidding me? No. This this is so wrong in so many ways, but this is what they did with COVID, with the COVID yes. shots. They told yes. pregnant women, even before there, there's no safety studies. We don't oh. know. They've dabbled in some minor things and then monkeyed with the data, but I'm just absolutely speechless. So, but this is what I mean. What do monkeypox and rulemaking have in common? They're doing things behind your back. Yep. And then they're going to tell you like it's a done deal. Believe us, trust us. This is for your own good, right? Um, and then um, what if there is a serious problem? If you have an allergic reaction, call 911. You can report to VAERS. But look at number six, Javier. Number six, countermeasures injury compensation program. What? What? This vaccine even before they called a, a state of emergency anywhere in the world or in the u.s had been placed under the countermeasures injury compensation program oh, um, because it, it targets smallpox as well as monkeypox but what the average person does not know what that means the average person doesn't know that that means you cannot sue for injury correct and the countermeasures injury compensation program is crap. I mean, sorry for the crude word, but you, you know, almost nobody gets anything out of that program. I mean, there's been like a handful of cases since it was put out there years ago. And there's thousands of cases from COVID that are lined up to try to take advantage. They've not paid out any for COVID. Oh, so it's under, so they're telling pregnant women, if you've been advised to get it, to get this shot. And then they're telling you, you're on your own if, if you're harmed or your baby's harmed. Yeah. And you've got no, um, uh, no words, no words. Well, and just, just to drive the point home. Even oh, and cardiac incidents are not on there. No warning oh, of cardiac. Good point. And this is, this is the best, uh, one of the best parts about this vaccine information mm -hmm. statement. Monkeypox is a rare disease with symptoms that are similar to but milder than symptoms of smallpox. Yeah. Monkeypox can cause death. So can the flu. Mm -hmm. So, so at this point, they're it's scaring people. They're just trying to scare. Oh, people. oh yeah, absolutely. That's that's absolutely what they're doing. How are we doing on time? Six forty-one. Okay, we're doing all right. So now I wanted to show you. Um, this wonderful Dr. Meryl Nass. I just adore her. She did, I'm hoping I can get it to play, um, ah. audio tab. She did on CHD on Good Morning uh, episode. Yes. There's Good Morning CHD. It's a fabulous show. And there's Dr. Nass. Love her. Um, and she did this. So it's episode 75. If you look it up, you can go play the whole thing. But I'm going to try to play for us this other little tidbit that's interesting. One vaccine, Genios, was going for a license in 2019. Suddenly, it had been around for 15 years, but suddenly it was applying for a license and the federal government had given the money, a contract to do so. And they were talking to the FDA, next slide, about this contract. And in the middle of the discussion in March of 2019, 
FDA said to the manufacturer that, quote, external stakeholders in the U.S. government uh, wanted to know whether they could license their smallpox vaccine for monkeypox also. Next slide. The company would have to do a lot of a lot more paperwork and potentially more clinical trials in order to get the vaccine license, an additional indication. So another diagnosis added to the label for monkeypox as well as smallpox. And so they weren't thrilled about it. And they asked the FDA back in April of 2019, look, who, who is asking for this? You know, they wanted to have some discussions with the federal agency that wanted this to see what they really needed to do and what they could ignore. And FDA surprisingly came back and said, we can't tell you, quote, the request came in from government stakeholders external to the FDA, and we cannot provide any further details. Hmm. So the question, who, who wanted a vaccine license for monkeypox in 2019? Ago, yeah. that CDC, that, sorry, FDA isn't allowed to say who wants it in the government. Is this the CIA? Is this the NSA? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So isn't that just amazing there? Um, so somebody in the federal government who remains anonymous in 2019 um, asked to ha have a licensed vaccine for monkeypox. And really, and there we have it. And then um, and then, of course, you probably heard that there was a tabletop exercise, you know, how just before COVID hit, oh, yes. all the global leaders, um, you know, who think they're the global leaders and, and you know, Bill Gates and all those people um, got together and did a really extravagant, expensive tabletop exercise. Well, gosh, what, ha what would happen if a really dangerous coronavirus circulated the globe? And, you know, they pretty much... Um, put out there everything that that ended up happening first of all i got a question for you javier why the heck do leaders and people in power with a lot of money do tabletop exercises and then never ever learn any lessons from those because if if their goal was to prevent that from happening they did a pretty lousy job because pretty much they ended up predicting what was going to happen instead of preventing it. They didn't come up with any tools. They didn't do anything to stop what happened from happening. Well, it, it looks like the same thing happened with monkeypox. Mm -hmm. um, and I've got that as well. Let me see if I can find that. She talks about that. Uh, Meryl Nass talks too. Let's see. It's my NTI tab. Go ahead and share that one. It's an interesting organization that I, I'd like to explore more on, you know, just not enough time in the day to do all these very interesting things that keep coming up. But so here we've got this thing called NTI and it stands for what? Nuclear something? Uh, <clears throat> NTI. What, what is it? Let's look up what that is. News, experts, events. Treaties, education, center. well, we'll look that up in a second. NTI statement and fact regarding NTI Munich Security Conference 2021 tabletop exercise on reducing high consequence biological threats. 
So they say in March 2021, NTI partnered with the Munich Security Conference to host a tabletop exercise on reducing high consequence biological threats. Convened virtually, the exercise included 19 senior leaders and experts from across Africa, the Americas, Asia, and Europe with decades of combined experience in public health, biotechnology industry, and international security. Our goal in designing the exercise was to draw attention among senior global leaders to the urgent need to improve international capabilities to prevent and respond to pandemics. The exercise was designed around a fictional scenario portraying a global pandemic involving an unusual strain of monkeypox virus that first emerged in the fictional country of Brinia and subsequently spread globally. Following the recent detection of monkeypox, um, cases across multiple countries, NTI's report on the exercise has appeared in a number of social media outlets, noting that the associated fictional scenario featured a monkeypox outbreak with a start date that roughly coincides with the current ongoing outbreak. Some social media activity has included disinformation about our exercise, and we would like to set the record straight. So we have provided some FAQs below, and they explain what is a tabletop exercise, and why did they meet, and what did they discuss, and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, they go on and on trying to... Um, what, what, I love about, what I love about the language is that they say high-consequence biological threat, mm -hmm. which means nothing well it, it, the verbiage is so broad and loose yeah yeah experts events i was trying to figure out exactly who these are if they would tell us in, oh there we go there's the about tab and i love the fact that they say an unusual strain of monkeypox virus yeah so you know monkey an unusual strain now <laughs> yeah uh, we do have an unusual strain. Um, so as Meryl Nass dug into it, before now, it it never spread human to human. Right. It was animal to human. So it is unusual that it's spreading um, human to human. So a world safe from preventable global catastrophe. I was trying to figure out, I was going to look here, but I probably shouldn't do this while we're on the air. Um, looking to see who are involved in... Um, I think Meryl might have mentioned it, but I, I don't remember for sure. But yeah, so that's another area um, that really needs to explore. So I want to pause here, and this might lead us up to our break. Um, I want to talk about the community that is having outbreak of monkeypox. And my personal view of why it's happening in that community because i've read um you know the real anthony fauci by robert f kennedy jr um read a lot about the fraud and manipulation in the criminal history of pharma mm -hmm. um we've all read what the world economic forum is trying to do we know that there's just an awful lot going on. And then we keep having these weird tabletop exercises that instead of preventing things seem to be predicting things, you know, I mean, why do you carry, why do you spend all this money doing these exercises? If you don't come out with you, they, they should have said, Hey, we did a tabletop exercise on that. Here's a solution. No, it's not, no. It's not about <laughs> solutions. This is about scenario planning. So when businesses come up with scenario planning, 
they're trying to figure out how can how can we make money and prevent loss of money. So when we're talking yeah. about tabletop tabletop exercises, we're talking about certain government entities and certain industries yeah. being able to plan ahead and create business solutions. Yeah. That's it. It's That's not it. about preventing or enhancing public safety. Period. Right. Yeah. So so with COVID, they ended up making the whole world virtually lock down and wait for a year yep. for some rushed mRNA products because, well, Biopharma has been wanting to go in the RNA, mRNA direction for a long time, but they've never been able to work out the the bugs in the system. And, you know, I mean, it's a dangerous platform, yeah. how it's delivered, what it does. So nothing like getting the entire world to be your test subjects, you know, unwitting test subjects so that you can see if you can figure out, you know, to improve this technology. But seems like all they've accomplished so far is getting everybody to, you know, just accept any level of, yeah. of harm and ineffectiveness of the product. I don't get it. Um, oh, you know what, how, how we do, okay. So that reminds me of one thing I did want to make sure I brought up real quick. Let's, let's, I'm going to scroll from my own, um, here. There was an article. Let's see. It's got a, I, oh, here it is. Okay. So Moderna is feeling the pressure to address monkeypox. R&D <laughs> chief confirms. Okay. Okay. Right. Laugh. Right. They've got they've got like 15 vaccines in the pipeline. They say we'll be ready for 2025. 15 mRNA vaccines. OK, for targeting 15 things. But this is the language that jumped out at me and I believe it will at you. <clears throat> it says one challenge for Moderna and anyone else looking to develop a new monkeypox vaccine is developing the right clinical endpoints for a phase one clinical trial to test the candidate. So you do trial studies. Now, in the past, if you're going to do a phase one trial study, phase two trial, in any phase trial study for a vaccine, your goal is to, is to see if the dang thing prevents infection. Well, usually phase one <laughs> studies are there for safety. Safety. Okay. Okay. Phase two safety. Is a combination of, okay, if it's safe in phase one, let's go in larger numbers, look at preliminary safe, uh, continued safety and preliminary efficacy. And then the phase three is the full on, does it prevent it? Or it should be, does it prevent disease? And that can take years. This thing about using proxy uh, measures yeah. like antibody titer is absurd. Well, and if you're if you're gonna use proxies because there's not enough of the disease out there to actually tell effectiveness, you don't license the dang thing. No. You keep an experimental tag on it. So you have fully informed consent when it pushes out there. With the FDA licensing something, people just assume it's safe. You know? But so what do you think they're looking for? If they can't what the developing the right clinical endpoints for phase one clinical trial, what the endpoint, the patient didn't die? I mean, what kind of endpoint are they looking for? <laughs> they're, they're, they're pushing. This is basically trying to rewrite the rules for clinical safety and clinical trials to accelerate any and all new uh, you know, technologies, drugs so they can actually pump this stuff out. And I guarantee you, if they're planning to have, a, you know, they have 15 uh, uh, 
think or think uh, 15 compounds or 15 vaccines in the pipeline by 2024 they're going to have a couple of more uh, tabletop exercises wow so this, yeah. this idea that you have you have something that's in the pipeline means that they received orders or suggestions from several stakeholders mm-hmm. that said, hey you know what we really need to look into these areas and i guarantee you there's mm-hmm. going to be a couple of stakeholders that are uh governments yeah and you know we really need to educate the population on where to find clinical trials, the design of the trials, use your common sense. Is this going to end up telling you anything useful to keep you safe? Um, It's really appalling how this is unfolding. Um, And we've we've only got just a couple more minutes. So I'm going to introduce the topic um, here that is so important. And that is the targeted community. And this is my opinion that, you know, I'm not doing disinformation or misinformation. I'm trying to just figure out what's going on and, and try to protect a community. Historically, the government and pharmaceutical industry, if they wanted to test a product, they would find a vulnerable community to target. They have done um, orphan children, you know, poor villages in, you know, in poor nations, um, individuals in mental institutions, prisoners, you know, all sorts of people, and they've gotten the wrist slapped for it. And that's pretty much all that has happened. Now, monkeypox is showing up in the gay LGBTQT community, specifically in those who who have lifestyles that a lot of people don't approve of. I'm just going to say it that way. Um, You know, and I think it could possibly be intentional. This is just conjecture because if you're going to be testing out this vaccine that has these concerns for cardiac issues, never been used in humans, they don't know how much to give. They don't know how long it lasts. You want to test it because you're going to roll out some dangerous monkeypox, something, I don't know. Um, you might want to do it in a community that the majority of those up in arms who are a lot of conservatives. Yes. And I hate to say this might not care about so much. It's like they get what they deserve kind of attitude. So, right. It's like, well, just stay out of the clubs and you won't get monkeypox. And and I agree. Everybody needs to be responsible for their own behavior and avoidance is, is job one. But they're being targeted, not just by this vaccine, but by the drug we're going to talk about in the next hour. Okay. And just to toss in my two cents, if that is the plan by the, uh, in this playbook, it's going to backfire on them because the society that we're in right now is fundamentally different from the society that we experienced in the seventies and the eighties towards uh, gay, lesbian, and, and uh, a bisexual community. Yeah. So this idea that somehow they won't care, meaning the conservatives or people that lean towards conservatism mm-hmm. is going to be fundamentally drastic and different. This time. I, well, I, I agree to a point mm-hmm. and I have heard conservatives say, but this isn't just a, a happy, merry gay couple catching it. These are people going to clubs with multiple partners. That's where it's happening. It's not happening in these more wholesome relationships that, you know, are more generally accepted. It's it's happening in these other lifestyle behaviors. And I think that's intentional. Again, just Bernadette's opinion. Yeah. Um, and and I, I just think that's intentional to push it out there, the test, the shots 
and and they're being um i feel like they're really being used and oh, but then we keep getting like little glimmers oh two babies have um been diagnosed with monkeypox and then you know and it, it's just going to start creeping out into the rest of the community after they know more about this drug and there have been so far 31 um, adverse events reported to VAERS for this shot. 31 out of a population of what, 7,000 that got the, uh, yeah, not, see, not that, too that's, many. Already, that's already exceedingly high. That's already, that's already a safety signal that says you need to shut it down. Yeah. Well, most people are reporting, um, I'm watching the clock here, waiting for the music, Eric, if, um, if I want to make sure I don't go over and you waiting for the music to play me off here. But most people are reporting that they're getting a really big lump at the injection site. Mm -hmm. But a couple of people have reported some um, lesions or sores in their mouth, which is concerning for a live product. So thank you, Eric. And Javier, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to deep dive deeper into this targeted population and the drug they're also being targeted with. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We'll be back in a few minutes. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to informedchoicewa.org today. We need a revolution. There's only one solution. I need somebody to show me, somebody to show me love. We need a revolution. Hello, are we back? <laughs> 
I think we're back. You're listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. I don't know why I didn't pick up the signal that it was back here. I, I'm leaping all over the place doing this and that. Um, I love going down the rabbit hole and discovering things. Um, uh, it's exciting. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's, um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so the last uh, hour we ended, we were talking about the the community that it's happening in, and it's a sub community that it's happening in, um, and it seemed like a ready made community to target, where it could be easily explained that this virus got out of hand very very quickly. I'm concerned that, um, you know, the main messaging isn't, please avoid these places, right? I mean, our country was locked down for a whole long, you know, you couldn't go to work, you couldn't go to school to shut down COVID. Why not advise? I don't, you know, obviously I, I, I hate anybody being demanded or kept, but please advise individuals for, for two weeks to flatten the curve, um, please ab- avoid these group settings so that it, it has time to stop. So the right. circulation stops. And, and it's a very targeted situation where it was occurring. It, and it could still be stopped right now because 99% of it is occurring, or I'm not sure the exact number, it's in the 90s, right within these um, group settings parties or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, and it's just, I, one thing I kind of wanted to, to show that, you know, I think is really kind of concerning it, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm all for equal rights. I believe everybody should be free to be who they are, but it seems like the, our, our government and our society is increasingly moving away from supporting individual responsibility and making good decisions, you know, having some willpower (laughs) to make a good decision um, and protect yourself and protect others, that personal responsibility. And I was recently, recently looking up a quote that I talk about a lot. It's in 1984 in the Federal Register. In the Federal Register, it says something like, nothing um, critical of a vaccine can be allowed to be circulated out there, no matter how truthful, because it'll undermine the vaccine program. Let me let me see if I've actually got the exact quote. I might have it right now on my desktop. Let me see if I can pull that up. Let me open it up. Um, yeah, here I've got it. This was about the, um, I believe about the polio vaccine, because this is 1984. So before the 1986 act, you know, the liability for vaccine makers and all that. And the government must have a lot of vested interest or own a lot of the vaccines because the government was being sued a lot over vaccine injury with, for the polio shot. Um, And also a lot, I think the manufacturers themselves for the protestus shot for the DPT. But it says here, 
um, but before do you may break polymyelitis in support of license yeah um it says, however, although the continued availability of the vaccine may not be in immediate jeopardy, any possible doubts, whether or not well-founded, about the safety of the vaccine cannot be allowed to exist in view of the need to assure that the vaccine will continue to be used to the maximum extent consistent with the nation's public health objectives. <laughs> that reminds me of a quote. Any person that gives up freedom for a little more security will get neither. Yeah. So not so what they did though, and I thought I kept I couldn't remember what they the, what this was all based on. And basically what they did and why it was in the federal register, they were going back and they were re, they were changing, editing um, clinical trials. Yes. Saying that that every batch tested did not have to rise to a certain level of safety. If there was a particular bad batch, that was okay. So it was, it, it was, they were retroactively covering their behinds for bad batches. This had nothing to do with security or safety. This no. had everything to do with litigation. Right. It had to do with litigation. Exactly. So while I was searching for this, because it's 1984 and nobody has like put it exactly on, it's all, it's just, it's photographs of an old book, you know? So I, I was um, scrolling through it and I found accidentally, and it just, it amused me. Um, and I had to stick it together here, so I'm sorry that it's really pretty ugly. But I found this little thing called prevention programs that they were writing into the Federal Register. And it says the purpose of prevention programs is to find an effective means within the context of the family of reaching adolescents before they become sexually active in order to maximize the guidance and support available to adolescents from parents and other family members and to promote self-discipline and other prudent approaches to the problem of adolescent premarital sexual relations, including adolescent pregnancy. So our federal government was encouraging self-discipline and involvement of the family in making a very supportive environment. Is, is that amazing? I can't imagine them saying that today. <laughs> this is 1984. This is 1984. And again, there, there was, I mean, yes, that is something that each and every person has to individually decide that if they want to raise their children to be, uh, you know, adults that can plan for the future and mm -hmm. basically, um, you know, uh, sacrifice the now for the, for, uh, uh, basically for a better future. Yeah. That, that's something that is, that is inculcated by the family. Right now, mm -hmm. the federal government is not even mandating or even suggesting, uh, a little bit of, of restraint in any sort of, uh, lifestyle. They're just saying, do what you want. Yeah. And again, yeah. it's not the role of federal government to approve or disapprove of any lifestyle that a person has, but there are consequences. Like, for well, example, if I want to drink a fifth of gin every day, mm -hmm. price to pay. Right. Um, and well, yeah, the federal government has gone too far because not all, they're, they're not staying neutral and just kind of letting culture and society 
figure it out. Right. I'm not going to read it, but on the CDC website, they actually have on the monkeypox page, you can tab over and get some instructions on to how safely continue these behaviors where it's spreading. Well, they try to, you know, so I can understand that. So here I'm playing devil's advocate. CDC is supposedly a, uh, an agency that's trying to prevent communicable disease spread. So they're going to give strategies for if you're not going to follow our guidance of not attending these events, here's some steps that you can take to mitigate or minimize. Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm, just... I'm, trying to give, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but yeah. it, it's ridiculous at this point. CDC is an organization that's devoid of any legitimacy, as is the FDA. Yeah, point. and it's just appalling to, to read that on their website. So, yeah. but... But but here's the thing. I I believe very much what I do reflects on me, what you do reflects on you. Yeah. And I very much believe everybody deserves kindness, respect, and fully informed consent. So I don't have to agree with somebody's lifestyle choices right. to not want them harmed. Exactly. I, you know, or abused and used. And that's exactly how I feel here is. And I'm I'm just appalled that more people haven't kind of spoken up to try to protect them from what the government is sort of using. They're really being used just like other targeted groups in Bernadette's opinion. So we saw that this shot is is we don't know anything about it. It's experimental, even though licensed. It's got yep. this massive cardiac signal. It's got a bigger signal. If you already were exposed to a smallpox um, vaccine, what that says about what boosters are going to do to these individuals, what's going to happen when these people are, um, these studies were done 2019 before anybody got an mRNA shot. Right. What's going to happen there. Um, and oh, and we're assuming a lot about what's in those vaccines still. Right. Again, the manufacturer is the federal government. Right, right. And and the monkeypox vaccine is live. What they're trying to do now is in, they say in order to make it go further is they're going to they're going to get five doses out of one dose and um, do it like subcutaneously. Am I saying it right? As opposed yes. to a muscular injection. Right. Um, and they say it's a little bit more irritating for people re receiving it. Yeah. Typically you can give less of a product. If you do it that way, they can spread it. Um, well, and, but here's, here's the other part. Subcutaneous also means that if there's any break in the skin or it starts oozing a little bit, it can spread to other people more easily. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, I, I want some um, immunologists and vaccinologists to to really look and and I, I, I want somebody, I'm going to have to bring somebody on who can really talk about these live attenuated or this one's, they're emphasizing non-replicating. But historically, I believe live vaccines that have been attenuated or called non-replicating have the capability I mean, if it makes you develop a sore or a lesion, could it possibly be contagious? I don't know. It is. But <clears throat> to, to, to your point, the sock and Sabin vaccine against polio, mm -hmm. the sock vaccine was a lot more deadly. And that was a live attenuated or that was a live attenuated virus. If I'm getting it right, the Sabin vaccine was a completely dead 
virus. It wasn't as strong or didn't provide a, as broad as an immunity profile, but it was a lot mm -hmm. safer. Yeah. And again, but, that's where the issue lies. Yeah. How do you make something live and non-replicating? That, that's that's a bit of science Bernadette doesn't know. And, and I, there's, I'd there's like more ways, There's ways to do that, which means you can actually, you chemically treat it to actually break the ability of the, uh, the protein uh, capsule to not enter cells. So oh, that was the... Yeah. yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to talk to you about because um, it is very concerning the ingredients <clears throat> here. They had to revise the label a couple of times <clears throat> because of the it. There is some residual um, antibiotics in it. Um, right from from the actual cell culture or whatever they were doing to grow the uh, the virus in. <clears throat> yeah, and one of them is one of those pretty dangerous. <clears throat> I'm going to define that <clears throat> for you. Excuse me. I don't know why Absolutely. I'm using my voice today. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Where did it go on here? Geriatric use description. Here we go. <clears throat> so it contains is a live vaccine produced from the strain modified vaccinia and Cara Bavarian Nordic and attenuated non-replicating orthopox virus <clears throat> and it's grown in primary chicken embryo fibroblast cells suspended in a serum-free medium <clears throat> containing no material of direct animal origin harvested from the CF CEF cells. It's interesting because um, they do say at, at some other websites that if it's contraindicated, if you have egg allergies, this this wording seems to me like maybe it doesn't have. Well, chicken embryo <clears throat> fibroblasts, uh, that the proteins associated with, uh, with CEF and, and egg, mm -hmm. there, there's enough cross uh, reactivity to okay. warrant it. So it could be there. Yeah. Okay. Um, purified and concentrated by several tangential flow filtration steps, including... What is benzonase digestion? Do you know what that is? It's it's a, it's an enzyme that uh, uh, you know. I'm not sure what it targets, but usually when if it ends with an ASE, it's an enzyme that cleaves or cuts something. Okay. So I don't know what benzonase. Is. <clears throat> Each half milliliter dose is formulated to contain. I'm not going to read that out. The amount um, infectious units. Yep. And let's see. In ten, what's Little ambigam, micro Little, uh, milliliters. Okay, of tromethamine. 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 Yeah. What's that? So uh, that's basically a buffer okay. that's used to basically buffer a solution, <clears throat> uh, so that you can either inject it or put it into a cell culture. Okay, and then each dose may contain residual amounts of host cell DNA. So there we go, the chicken, right? Yep. Correct. Uh, protein. Um, benzonase. Okay, again, we, itself, yeah. yeah. Gentamicin. An and this is the one that really concerns me: is ciprofloxacin. Yep. <clears throat> That's that. A lot of people have a huge reactions. Ciprofloxacin can have <clears throat> cause joint disintegration. It yep. can cause neurological injury. Now, it it only is. Um, is that less than or equal to point less than or equal to point zero zero five uh, micrograms? So that's it's not much. But when you inject somebody with something, 
<clears throat> that it, it's just a concern to me that because anytime you inject somebody with something, you potentially set up an allergy to whatever you injected them with. That's Charles Roche, 1913, Nobel Prize for discovering anaphylaxis, right? Absolutely. So when we already have this dangerous antibiotic um, and you're in, potentially injecting people with it, that's a concern. Correct. <clears throat> anyway, so I wanted to uh, show, yeah, so we think that's all that's in it. That's all that's on the label. <laughs> My major concern is that even all of that being said, you know, the, the reactions, the, the, the cardiac tissue um, uh, effects that have been shown already, the potential side effects from uh, an adverse reaction associated with uh, uh, an allergy to one of these components. My concern is that, you know, um, you're playing, you're, you're, you're developing, a, a, you're injecting people with some form of monkeypox. And again, we don't know the origin or the, uh, how, you know, what strain it is. Are they actually trying to de develop different strains to try and immunize it as broad as possible? And what happens if you do that? So, you know, with, with coronavirus, we know that the original mRNA strain was designated against the alpha. Mm -hmm. right? And everything since then has just been the same. That's why we know that the vaccines don't work because coronavirus mutates. How often does monkeypox uh, monkey mutate? Yeah, uh, it's hard to say. And I want to get Dr. James Lyons-Weiler um, on the show again soon because he's looked really closely at, at the various pathogens targeted by vaccines and right. looked at them evolutionarily <laughs> and, and, as he's got like a chart of, of when the vaccines will begin to fail yep. based on how fast. And then you've got the vaccine pressure where other things move in and, you know, it, there's just so much here. So I want to move on though. <clears throat> so first hour, we're mostly looking at this experimental yet licensed shot that's under the countermeasures program. Um, oh, and, and, well, we'll go back. Remind me to go back to the HHS's announcement because it looks like more EUA products are coming. You know, they're going to go that whole route is what they predicted more was coming. That's what HHS said is they're moving in that direction. But the the one drug that they say works, and and by the way, coming at the end of toward let's see, it's already seven twenty toward the end of the show. I want to make sure people know that monkeypox is treatable. It's a virus and it's treatable. And there's a fantastic organization I will pull up that has actually got a whole flyer you can print out. It says what monkeypox is, what the vaccine is, what the drug is, and here are all the um, ways to avoid monkeypox. And here are all the treatments, natural treatments, vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, you know, um, all of those things and more. <clears throat> They've done a really good job on it. Truth for Health Foundation has got that. So, um, but the only thing that there's um, kind of saying for, let me make this bigger, <clears throat> for monkeypox that you're hearing from the public health and from the government is this drug called T-pox, okay, T-P-O-X-X, -X. and it was approved in 2019, I mean 2018, for smallpox only. It is licensed for smallpox. It is not licensed for monkeypox, okay? Just keep that in mind. <clears throat> and then we go down and look. Let's see where we want to go. Warnings and precautions, clinical trial experience. Um, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a crazy drug here. Dosage warnings, hypoglycemia. There's a whole lot of contraindications um, or clashes with other drugs. Adverse reaction leading to discontinuation. 2% of them had EEG change. Isn't that abnormal heartbeat? EEG? Yes. Okay. It's usually, yeah, basically the uh, uh, nodal misfiring in the heart. Yeah. Um, adver all sorts of um, less common adverse events. Uh, Echoderamat. Yeah, concomitant drug class names. So you got things that um, you got to, you can't, it has significant drug interactions. And it names some drugs here that I don't recognize. Um, but then it says no vaccine drug interaction studies have been performed in human subjects. You know, most of the population of this nation is on drugs, is on some pharma drug, you know, and they've got a cabinet full of over-the-counter pharma drugs, and they didn't do any vaccine drug interaction studies. Houston, we have a problem. Um, pregnancy, not tested in pregnancy. Animal data, they gave, did a little animal, no, no information for lactation, um, pediatric use, um, based solely on efficacy studies in animal models. Geriatric, you, you know, they just go through pretty much. They don't know much about this puppy at all. Barely tested. Bare and yeah. Let me see. There was something in here in particular I wanted to show you, but now I can't remember the exact microbiology. The mechanism of action. <clears throat> you want? Go ahead. Could you see that? You read that. You're the scientist. Yeah, so basically it's, it's a small molecule that, that targets the ability of envelope proteins to, um, uh, to basically allow cells to, or the, the virus to go into a cell. But the problem with, with that is that envelope proteins are important for actually letting cells grab things in that they need as well. Ah, uh -huh. okay. So, you know, RAB9 GTPase uh, is an important uh so cells will actually either extrude or bring in components mm -hmm. uh, that, are, that are critical for, for neurotransmission, uh, processing of, of different uh, compounds. So when you have something like that, uh, that, that, that targets a virus, it's going to have other effects. It's not, it's not as specific as people wish it to be. Um, and when you have something as, as, a, as critical as a GTPase, and GTP is, a, is an important nucleotide that, that's used for energy metabolism and, and signaling, um, you know, that, well, that sh that's going to have some other significant side effects. And again, I'll need to do a little bit more uh, review of tecoviramat because, again, you have molecules that are developed. They find that it actually has this activity against specific uh, proteins in the cell. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever you try and stop the ability of a virus to either butt off or get in, you're going to have all sorts of other side effects. And the fact that, the, that they, they have this effect on something called a, a cytochrome P450, mm -hmm. uh, which is something that I read uh, uh, on another uh, site, uh, those are important enzymes that are associated with, liver, with, uh, with the liver and processing and, and degrading molecules. Uh, and, the, and the fact that it can inhibit or alter their, their function uh, has a whole series of cascade effects that are still, you know, not well defined. Yeah. 
Wow. And so um, read from the resistance and cross-resistant section. This is concerning. Yeah. So there are no known instances of naturally occurring tecoviramate-resistant orthopox viruses, although tecoviramate resistance may develop under drug selection. And that's just, that's evolutionary pressure. Mm -hmm. Tecoviramate has a relatively low resistance barrier. I don't know how they determine that. And certain amino acid substitutions in the target BP37 protein can confer large reductions in tecoviramate antiviral activity. Again, if you start selecting for viruses that can enter a cell because they can bypass whatever this drug is doing, you're going to be making it less, you're going to, you're going to be pushing towards viruses that will actually bypass the ability of this drug to stop it. Cross resistance between tecoviramate and uh, brinicidofovir is not expected based on their distant mechanism of action. That is true for basically a mechanism of action that's unrelated to another mechanism, another mechanism of action. Yeah. The likelihood that they're going to develop a resistance uh, similar to another drug is very, very low. But okay. there has to be enough difference in the mechanism of action so that it doesn't occur. So, but there, there was a sentence here in the resistance that I found important. It said the possibility of resistance to, I can't pronounce that. It's the TPOX thing. Uh, should be, yeah. Yeah. Should be considered in patients who either fail to respond to therapy or who develop what's recrudescence of recrudescence. disease. I have no idea. Of, after an period of, res of responsiveness. So, you know, it, it looks like they had enough information that it's a concern that they put it on the insert that resistance and cross resistance is possible with this product. I mean, they don't put things on there willy nilly, you know, <laughs> um, they especially, you know, with drugs like this, they put it on it as a CYA, right? It is. It's for informed consent. They, so basically... Recrudescence is basically a return, a reappearance. Oh, okay. Disease. Just a, a, a fancy schmancy word for. Don't, oh, you're not going to get the disease again. It's not yeah. going to appear again. We're just using a fancy word so you don't look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so there we go. So this drug that they're saying, you know, if you need a viral drug, we've got this. The government's got you covered. And, but the way to get this, you know, you're going to have to be prescribed it and the federal government is going to give it to you free of charge. Isn't that awesome? No. Free of charge, like they're doing with everything. But here's the thing, Javier, because it's not licensed for monkeypox. You have to sign a five page informed consent permission in order to get it. So they try really hard in this thing to tell you you're taking part in a clinical trial without actually saying, hey, you're in a clinical trial, buddy. <laughs> this is what floors me. The, the, the amount of obfuscation, the amount mm -hmm. of they're, they're, they've instituted a program now where basically the federal government has zero responsibility to inform you that you are now taking uh, part in a clinical trial mm -hmm. and they're trying to make it make it seem like you know, it's your responsibility. It's not our yeah. responsibility. Yeah. What will happen if you choose to be treated? 
you know, and it says you will be asked about your health, your doctor will give you the right dose. If you, you know, you can, it's a tablet or it's, um, you can get a, in a shot, I believe, and you have to eat it with something fatty right. um, for children and adults. So I guess they intend to also sometimes give this to children, Lord. right? Lord. Children, um, people who are hospitalized with serious illness and have trouble taking capsules can get an IV. You'll get a diary card to fill out about your progress of your disease. Um, let's see if you have, if you have any lesions, pictures of them may be taken throughout your treatment. Your doctor will follow. I mean, they're describing a clinical trial, but I haven't seen the word clinical trial. I'm going to search for the word clinical trial in here when, when we're done. Um, what are the benefits? We do not know for certain if you will benefit from Tecovirumat. Based on what we know about get about the drug, it may help to treat your infection or vaccine reaction and prevent it from getting worse. The potential. Oh wait, listen to that. Okay, that that yeah. was one. Okay, and or vaccine reaction. Based on what we know about this drug, the drug may help to treat your infection or vaccine reaction. That's your first clue right there. That means that they know that whatever monkeypox virus is out there, and if it's a live virus, they're going to get a reinfection or an infection from that virus. So Tecoviramat is there to actually prevent infection from a vaccine and a naturally occurring infection. You think? There, the that's the vaccine reaction, that. just, um, you know, like heart attack or something. <laughs> well, I just don't see how Tecoviramat so unless the virus is somehow have been has been selected or oh. has been designed to attack cardiac tissue, right? may or may not help. Gotcha. So so this drug is designed to shut down the virus. So that right. means its mechanism of action will only help a vaccine reaction if that vaccine reaction is you now basically have the pox. Right. <laughs> I got it. I got the logic now. Yeah. So there it is. I mean, and, and people do not read the fine print. You've got somebody in a state of fear. They've been exposed to monkeypox. Maybe they, they're, they've got, they're symptomatic now and they're afraid. And yeah. the government comes to you and your doctor says, oh, hey, we got a drug. Don't worry about it. Hey, there, here's a consent form. Go ahead and sign that and I'll get you all hooked up. You know, make sure you eat this with some fatty food and you're good to go. Oh, here's a diary card. Fill it out. Give us some information on this product because it's new. You know, I mean, that's basically what will happen. Somebody will go home and maybe we'll read this three days later, yep. you know. Um, yep. And then what are the risks? It gives you some. Uh, Wait, a few hold on. Risks. This is something in July 2022? Um, yeah. Like Jul that's when this informed consent uh form it's the date of it version 6 july 20th 2022 this is insane mm -hmm. they got this all out in such a short time and they already yeah. have it out there mm -hmm. so it's it's a it's a completely different you know it's not quite what they did with hiv aids and it's not what they did with coronavirus no. they they kind of taking bits of both approaches here. So now this time they're going to have a ready-made drug and a ready-made um, vaccine, neither tested, both thrust upon an unsuspecting public. However, because they're, they're licensed in some form and already right. exist, 
they're going to use subterfuge and, you know, all those lovely words to push it out there. So you have to sign. Look how long this thing is, this informed consent thing. And have you heard about this on the news? Now, I've heard of this drug on the news, haven't you? I heard about uh, TPOX or whatever it is it's called. Um, TPOXX is what they're calling it for short. Um, yeah, TPOX. So I've heard of it. But I never heard until I started reading all of this that it was experimental for monkeypox, that it was under this special program that you had to do this informed consent. Um, and then when I saw that, that it can treat a vaccine reaction. Right? Um, no, this is this this is the, the, the fact that this is all happening under and I, I, I hate to, to say this under an administration that is so willing to carry forward with programs mm -hmm. started under another administration and were not reviewed mm -hmm. and have been shown to be not only highly ineffective and highly dangerous, it really makes me question, you know, who's driving this bus? Yeah. Because the adults are not in charge right now. The adults are not in charge, crazy people in charge. Yeah. And they're either just brilliantly evil or the most incompetent, bungling greedy and it could be a combination of Probably. both um, and the fact that you know the one thing that floors me is that now you've got people like deborah burks saying that one she never she was making stuff up as she went along about the lockdowns mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. she was never on board with pushing this the, the vaccine for coronavirus so i can only imagine who they're going to trot out to push for this monkeypox vaccine that is highly untested. I mean, they claim that it's tested. That is not a sufficient number of no. people. No. And the fact that they actually have tecoviramat, which is an experimental drug, and they're pushing it and saying they're giving it away for free because they, I think they learned their lesson with FLCCC. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you know, they repurpose drugs. Well, maybe if we jump ahead and repurpose a, an experimental drug, Maybe we can get yeah. some traction on it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Right. All these other compounds that have been shown to be safe and effective because now you can actually state that that has a low incidence of adverse events and uh, severe adverse events. And it's been proven to sh slow down or stop the, uh, uh, yeah. the infection and the symptoms. That is actually a defensible position. Safe and effective is a marketing slogan. Marketing slogan, yeah, it it certainly is. So we're gonna we're gonna spend a little bit of time now on good news, okay? Yeah. So we gave you the bad news. The bad news is your government's trying to um, take away your medical freedom behind the scenes because they know you're gonna get loud and in their face if you try to do it through. They try to do it through the legislative process or in an upfront one way so pay attention to rulemaking in your state um and what your commissioners are doing pay attention to what they're doing behind the scenes okay just make it part of your life to tune in and check out and there's ways you can sign up to get notification and you know i think we need to do a whole show on how and teaching people how to get informed so that it's not so overwhelming and they know where to go to get information um, and then the next thing is, is we've got this whole monkeypox thing that we have got to, um, we really need to hit it hard so people are educated and we can stop the harm and the abuse and this, um, 
targeting these people um, because it's it's spreading. Okay. So now the good news is our fabulous people. I mean, these things didn't even exist. Um, I think Truth for Health Foundation existed prior to COVID, but so many didn't, and so many members um, weren't right. out there. I love this group. Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough is is one of the people at Truth for Health Foundation. Check them out. Explore their help. They are on it. They've got military resources, vaccine injury resources. <coughs> excuse me. Five G in your health. Treatment guides, fabulous treatment guides, medical and legal help um, programs, faith over fear, amen to that. Um, and here we go. They've got this fabulous monkey pop, pox virus facts versus fear. And then um, what you do, let's see, did it travel there? Yep, it's right there. Um, they they ask you to, you don't have to donate. You can if you want. And if you can, I do suggest this is one of the awesome groups. Um, but just give them your name and your email address to have access to their treatment guide, okay? They worked hard to do this, which is why, you know, the least you can do is sign up to get information from them, you know, for all their hard work that they do for free. Um, anyway, so... I pulled up for us and let me real quick, just zip over and share with you. I gave them, I think they've got like three of my email addresses now because I've got different computers that I want to read it on. Um, yeah. Here we go. So this is great because you can print this out. You can email this, you can send this to everybody. It's, it's up to date. Well, they're going to have to update it one more time to show that we're under national emergency. But as of July 23rd, it was up to date. They explain what the virus is, how you catch it, um, who's at most risk, what are the symptoms, the prodromal phase. I'll let you explain what that is. It's incubation, but prodromal is... Um, before you become before you become infective, you're going to start showing exhibiting symptoms. Prodromal phase is basically your 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 body is the, the virus is in your body and it's ramping up production, and that's when you can you can start becoming uh, a carrier and you can infect other people. But okay. prodromal usually has a has a has a uh, has a ramp up period. Okay. Um, is it like probably most like, like with measles and mumps and other uh, diseases, you're, there may be a small window where you're um, not having symptoms yet, Correct. but you're contagious, but that's usually very short. Usually it's this phase two when you're starting to get the fever and all that, right. that's when you usually have enough volume of virus to be contagious. Exactly. Um, and that's why in general health, regulations across the world are if you've got a fever or diarrhea stay home stay home yeah those are the two biggest indicators that you know you've got something live still happening with exactly. you. so it describes that and then the the rash phase is phase three it talks about that and then it says talks about how it's treated yes. um avoid contact uh yes. adequate hydration so important with everything. Balanced meals with whole food, primarily plant-based to give the body energy and nutrients. Although yep. I would suggest bone broth is good for everything. Um, comfort management. And it says increase intake of vitamin C, D, zinc, B-complex, 
NAC, which is your N-acetylcysteine, that helps your body make glutathione, which is essential to fight any viral infection. Um, anyway, it says to improve immune response and wound healing. Yes. Um, and then it goes on, it talks about uh, oral and IV TPOX, which we were just talking about. Yes. Um, and it gives a little information about that. It talks about the vaccine um, a bit. It Obviously, they are not pro that shot either. No. And then we get to the lovely page. So, I mean, look how well-informed you are when, with this great information. And then the doctor, these are MDs and probably some NDs as well that work with Truth For Health Foundation. So this is their excellent experienced advice Yes. Um, that we're telling you about um, supplements and nutraceuticals, a basic list of nutraceuticals with documented antiviral, anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, and immune boosting benefits. So we've got our vitamin D, our NAC, glutathione, and CoQ10, and resveratrol. They put those all in one line. They must have similar mechanisms that they're shooting for there. Yes, and they're um, all antioxidants. Okay. Uh, vitamin C with bioflavonoids, magne and they, they give you uh, amounts. If you're listening on the radio, um, I do recommend going in and get this. Um, I'm not saying that everybody listening has got monkeypox, but this is great advice for any virus. Um, magnesium, B-complex, zinc sulfate, quercetin, green tea, uh, monolaurin derived from coconuts. Is yes. that, is that a fatty acid? The monolaurin, do you know? No, I'm not okay. sure what that is monolaurin, but it, it sounds like it is a fatty acid. I think it's an essential fatty acid. Yeah. Um, immune boost mushroom complex. Now I've been wanting to look into that Javier, because I've heard of so many people that I know, um, love their mushroom supplements. And, um, some of them said it really helps with focus, you know, and this, our lives are so busy. We're all struggling. Yeah, it's a fatty yeah. acid. So monolaurin is a glycerol monolaurate. Okay. So, and it's actually used as a surfactant. So it's actually an anti antimicrobial as well. Oh, very good. Very good. So I'm almost wondering like a spoonful of organic raw coconut oil probably has a lot of that lauric acid Absolutely. in it. Yeah. Um, so aspirin, um, and black seed oil. I have some black seed oil now. I've been taking that nice. daily. Um, yeah, so excellent advice here. Decontamination strategies. It says to try chlorine dioxide. It's the yes. leading used by the EPA for decontamination. Yes. Um, and then it gives you... Um, and then it gives you more, it says more NIH, NIAID monkey, monkey business. business. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little more information. And then, you know, everything has got citations here yeah. to it. The references at the end go on and on. So you can look it all up. Um, actually, it's just, I guess, two pages. Of two pages. Yeah. yeah. Um, so bless these people working hard to try to get some common sense and, and I hate to even call them alternatives because I believe nature first drugs last. We wow. have here, we've got to, it's, it's insane that public health will only go to drugs and only go to vaccines rather than, and, and the newer, the better, yep. rather than really serving the people. And if vitamin D and zinc and N-acetylcysteine serve the people better than that new drug that you have to have that, you know, a hundred page informed consent form on, 
Um, oh, you know, that form, I wanted to find that again. There was something on there I forgot I wanted to share with you that something else that, you know, people will be appalled after they've already taken it and then they decide to actually read the read it. Yes. After, you know, this thing, this isn't like clicking on a permissions thing online because you want to access something to read. This, this is important. Um, <clears throat> I think it's about what if you're injured by it? That's what I wanted to read. Oh, right. yeah. What choices do I have? What are my costs? What if you refuse? You have the right to refuse. Why do they even have to put that? What happens if you're harmed? Yeah, we're getting there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, what happens if you're harmed? You will get immediate medical care if you are harmed from getting this product, this treatment. But CDC will not give this care. CDC does not normally pay for harm done to you because of being in a program like this, a program. So it's a program. Thus, you or your insurer, such as Medicare or Medicaid, will have to pay for any care that is needed. You or your insurer will have to pay for any care that is needed. But you are not giving up any of your rights by signing this consent form and agreeing to be treated with Tecovirumab. So why do you need to sign an informed consent form? Yeah. And it too is under the Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program. The Countermeasures Compensation Program is a federal program provides compensation to certain people as a result of serious injury or death from certain medicines or vaccines, including this medicine. So you're on your own, out of pocket. You can try to apply to the CICP, but it's highly unlikely. Um, yeah, that they're going to help you out because they've not helped anybody out so far. No, this is this is just um, what is what is really surprising. Or one of the things that I remember very early on from when I was going, when we would go to to a doctor, you know, either pediatrician or just a family physician, was that most of the time would say, "Go home, rest, drink plenty of fluids, vitamin C, zinc." Don't take any drugs. Drugs are only used for extreme cases. Mm -hmm. And only if, you know, we, we know exactly what we're doing on there. And that's been completely and utterly wiped out. Mm -hmm. Doctors are now being indoctrinated into do drugs first. Don't support the body. Yeah. I, you know, I would, it, it's, it's really sad for doctors, like especially some of our brilliant doctors, Dr. Paul Merrick. Corey, Peter McCullough, Dr. Denise Sibley here in East Tennessee. Yeah. There are so many, and I, I apologize that, you know, I'm just naming the top people because there's a lot of, there's a lot of doctors who are treating hundreds and thousands of patients yes. through all of this, and they all deserve praise, um, that are just watch their professions be absolutely, you know, it used to be this noble profession profession that you went into because you really wanted to care. Well, I suppose there was always ego involved to some degree. But you know, you had people that were caring professionals, caring professionals. You have a standing in the community when you're a doctor, you're respected, you know, it's, you know, like being a lawyer, it's a professional and there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes you would get, you know, those doctors who like to believe they're God, but you know, most went into it because they truly wanted to make a living helping people. And they have been turned into glorified pharmacists, not even glorified pharmacists, because they don't know, pharmacists at least know no. about the drugs they're dispensing. But the the doctors are being trained 
to be coercion experts. Right. And that's yeah. the other part. I had a quick question. This is probably yeah. off topic, but I'm trying to, uh, I haven't heard any updates on what has happened to Dr. McCullough, Dr. Corey with their ACIP uh, injunction. I don't that, know oh, um, well, no, wait, the A, oh, you mean the, um, the well, Board I'm of already, Internal Medicine? Yeah, Board of Internal Medicine. Yeah, um, I don't believe they've heard back yet. I think it, they're still in limbo there waiting to hear back. I, I think I would have heard because I'm friends with Dr. Sibley, and she also got the nasty letter and responded. Um, so, but we do know that the AAPS, the American, is it American Association of Physicians and Surgeons? Correct. They're very good guys. Love them. They've been around for a long time, 100 years or so. Probably not that long, but decades. Yes. Um, they filed a lawsuit. Good for them. Against ABIM, um, American Board of Internal Medicine, right. yeah. for their harassment of, and I think another board, I think it's that starts with an F, like maybe the fam. Oh, uh, federation or foundation. Maybe the federation, possibly. We could We could look up. While we're talking, I'll, I'll I'll pop on over to the AAPS website and see if I can see who they're see yeah. who they're suing. One of the things that people have to be aware of is that these these uh, licensing and accrediting organizations have an incredible amount of power because they can either pull a license or take an accreditation away, and that can impair or severely inhibit the ability of a doctor to practice medicine or provide services in a particular area. Yeah. But again, these I'm going to say probably something controversial that you That's know, all right. organizations are acting more like mafias than they are actually in, in defense of oh. or their patients. Absolutely. The, racket at this point. There, there's no, there's no um, dialogue allowed. There's no, exactly. No dialogue allowed. But did you see what came out? I think it was just on Wednesday. Um, Green Med Info wrote about it that this organization had filed FOIAs when, um, what, what was her name, Pisaki? Oh, Jen Saki. Saki, yeah, sort of the P, sorry, I'm not supposed to pronounce it. When, when Saki said that one time at that press conference that <laughs> they were working with um, social media companies on, on disinformation and misinformation. Yes. Yes, so yes, yes. did you see the, so the FOIA was filed and they finally got back documents and the emails back and forth of what they're doing. It, I mean, I mean, it was just crazy. If that one just cracked me up because the, the one guy said, oh yeah, you know, I'm going to be setting aside some of this COVID stuff because we're really working on election. But um, the two um, definitely have crossover. <laughs> so he's, so, so we're, we're out of the realm of science and straight into the realm of politics. This yeah. has nothing to do yeah. with, with, with logic and reason. It just has to do with power. Oh, yeah. And it's it's just crazy. So, yeah. So here's AAPS, uh, newest threat to medical freedom, monkeypox emergency. This is a great article. Yeah. I do recommend reading that. Um, Elizabeth Lee Violet, she was just with that, um, where I was at, that organization, the um Truth for uh, Truth for Health Foundation, political prosecution of oh wait that's not the right one I'm looking for there we go AAPS Foundation sues medical dictators <laughs> AAPS News so who are they the American Board of Internal Medicine the American Board of Obstetrics Obstetric, and Gynecology yeah. American Board of Family Medicine that's what I was thinking of and Ala 
help me, Alejandro Mayorkas. Yes. <laughs> In his official capacity as Secretary of Homeland Security. So I love that. So there's some really good lawsuits that are going on right now. It's very exciting. Um, we've got Dr. Merrick and a couple others that are suing FDA over interference in the doctor-patient relationship regarding ivermectin. Um, we're learning how to take the country back. It's been this revolution that we've been, as our short show opening says, uh, we're figuring it out, figuring out how to do it. Uh, taking us some time, but they're, they're still doing it as we see with yeah. this darn monkey pox. So, you know, I just, I, I encourage everybody, I'm going to be posting about it. I'm going to be doing some press releases about it. We need to push that information out there because it's showing fraud. It's showing collusion. It's showing um, harm to come. Just so much that's wrong is being shown in that. And then if you do have somebody you know and love who's practicing behaviors, exposing them to monkeypox, send them to the Truth For Health Foundation yeah. so they can get some good information. Right. Um, and tell them to not take the, the you know, to avoid the, the vaccine and the and the drug cell. So. Exactly. And one of the one of the drivers, uh, unfortunately, I still remember, this is straight from the- uh, this is I think he's trying to play our music there, Javier, so quick. <laughs> Again, what happened with AIDS was that there was a lot of uh, drug use and what they call prophylactic use of antibiotics. And unfortunately, yeah. some of those antibiotics had immune suppressant effects. Yes. So Make it actually, it made it easier to get infected. Yeah. And again, with monkeypox, and if you're getting this and you're you're practicing those and you're trying to take topovirumab or whatever, right? It's not going to help. It's not going to help. Yeah. So everybody, God bless you. Be well. Stay well. Stay informed. Have a great weekend. This has been an Informed Life Radio at 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. Thank you, Javier. Thank we you. We will Brian. be back next week. You Bye. got it. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy, but we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. My name is Del Bigtree, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. 
high above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.